do me a favour. If you're listening to this, please hit the subscribe button. Like, share, rate, review the podcast. It really does mean more than you realise. So it's 30 years this year since I was since I was in a fire. And I think from the 30 years beyond that point, I was just running to into life, like head on to kind of almost make up for the stuff that I felt that I'd lost in life. You know, I was never actually on fire, but I was trapped in a garage and had to like, you know, fight my way out and stuff and managed manage to do that. My mum was in the front of the, the ambulance. My dad was still in the UK and had to fly over. Um, I died like twice on the way that they stopped to, um, to they told my mum they were just changing drips and stuff, but really I was flatlining in the back of the ambulance. You know, I was in a coma when I first got there, then I brought out the coma. Then it was written across my file in massive red writing, allergic to penicillin. Someone didn't read it. They administered penicillin on me. I nearly died again, so they had to put me back into a coma for another seven or 10 days. No, not that first day. That first day, hands down, was the hardest day of my entire life. So forget all the massive operations and this and that, and you know, the actual day happened. So that, that day was, yeah, the hardest day. You know, this 30 year journey of me kind of not running away from you know the 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 accident that happened to me at 14 but it was like right you've had an amazing ride now and it was and it was like i just stopped and paused and if i think of it visually i, I imagine the scene in in forest gump where tom hanks is running and he's running and running and running and doesn't really know why he's running and uh he's not really running away from anything he's just running and he's thinking and then one day he's in the middle of the desert and he just stops and he turns around and there's just all these people behind him and uh and i stopped I think in January this year and I turned back and just for the first time really kind of looked back with great pride and, and bloody hell Mark you've actually done alright and you've achieved quite a lot and I stopped but then I also saw the people behind me you know that I've gathered along the way and the incredible network I had and I was like okay yeah you've you've now got into that place in life where you're not going to do something purposeful because because you feel like you need to justify what's happened to you I felt like I'd over those 30 years, got everything that I needed back from life to finally even up the score with what the universe had thrown him in when I was 14. I believe every business owner has a story to tell. Through seeking true, authentic insights about the entrepreneurial journey, I provide a platform for our peers to share their stories and inspire those that listen. This is the County Business Talks podcast, powered by Picture Book Films. Okay, welcome to another episode of the County Business Talks podcast. My, pod, my guest on the podcast this week is a member at Marketing Kind, former MD of 23D and co-founder at Thrive Now, a collective movement connecting a community of people who desire to create a better world by being better, happier humans. Certainly sounds like a, a movement I want to be part of, mate. So I'm delighted to welcome Mark Convey to the podcast. Mark, how are you, mate? I'm very well. I'm delighted to be here, Sam. I've been looking mate. forward to this for a while. So yeah, uh, thanks abs- for having me on. Oh, mate, look, absolutely. I know obviously we've met during being both members at Plus X and um, it's been great to sort of chat to you over the time. I know we've been trying to get this in the diary. So, mate, absolutely buzzing to, to, to have you on. And uh, look, we're going we're gonna to jump straight in. Just sort of tell the listeners a little bit about your story and uh, where it all started. Oh, I mean, where do, where do we start? <laughs> um, I'm a South London boy, so I was born in South London, and then my parents uh, moved just a little bit out to Croydon. So really, I'm a, a Croydon boy, but I try and say South London. London. Too, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Both my parents were Irish immigrants, met in London. Um, yeah, had four of us. So I've got two sisters and older brother. I'm number yeah. three in line, and yeah. um, 
yeah, very, very standard, happy childhood. Yeah. Uh, both my parents are Catholic as well, so I brought up in the church. Yeah. You know, I was an altar boy and stuff like that, right. just because it gave me something to do. I'm going to mass each Sunday. Um, yeah, very lucky to have good education. You know, that was one of the things being Catholic. You know whether or not you kind of agree with the way the education is structured or not. Um, yeah. So it's good that I didn't have to go to the the kind of the normal state schools around me. Yeah. I got a better education. Uh, but yeah, generally it was a, a happy a happy childhood. You yeah, know, yeah. up until a point where certain things in life happen, and you know you get things in traumas and stuff that you need to deal with. Sure. Uh, but generally, yeah, really good foundation to to start life on. So yeah, yeah you know, cool. And then, so and then going on, like obviously. With the businesses and stuff, you've obviously got them. We'll go we delve into them a little bit later. Yeah. But yeah, talk to like from from, like, from a young age. Did you always sort of think about running your own business? Was that always part of I your mindset? I, I, I don't think at a very young age. No, I think I think I probably had the the basic sort of characteristics yeah. in terms of just not always wanting to do what I was told and it was but that was more about just like a freedom of thought yeah. you know if I thought someone was wrong for the sake of it being anyone an authority teachers or something then it'd be like well why let's have a debate about that yeah. and they're kind of well just because I told you you know kind of mentality didn't didn't really agree with me so I'm not sure that even at that age that I would have been someone that I could have or if someone maybe had, you know, had that opinion on me and a teacher would be like, well, I'm not sure he's going to be the best employee. Maybe he's the one that needs to sort of come up with the ideas and yeah. kind of run with ideas. Yeah, that that sense of freedom um, of running your own business and the, the endless possibilities. Yeah. I think that was in me from from a young age. But no, I don't think I don't think it was even in the psyche of our education yeah, yeah. back in the, the, the 80s and 90s that you're going to grow up and be a business. It's just like, are you going to be a fireman? Are you going to be a policeman? Are you going to be, you know, that yeah. that, that kind of stuff. So strange, isn't it? Because I yeah. often talk about that, like that process of, of like how entrepreneurship is really encouraged in schools now, mm. like, a lot more than, than it was back then. And, and I think had it been a bit more, would I have started on my business journey earlier or would yeah. I have started my own? Because I just feel that, yeah, exactly that. Like you said, the, there was a bit of a, we you're going to go to university and get a degree and then get a job or you're just going to come straight out of school and go and get a job and then that'll be it for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, whatever, whatever that looks like. And uh, yeah. it's great. I guess, like you said, listening to you talk about having quite a curious mind, that's what it seems like. Especially people often say that with entrepreneurs and business owners that you're constantly asking questions and want to find out more and, and that inquisitive mind then leads to... Definitely. And I think I think my parents are quite quite safe and quite solid yeah. you know they're kind of you know warriors by heart i think so for them having and they grew up in a you know an area where you you know you got a job for life yeah, so yeah. you know like it was a shock when you know my dad got made redundant after so long in a company and stuff like that so yeah. the world was going through a lot of changes i think in yeah, terms yeah. of you know the manufacturing industry coming down and all these things and yeah. um lots of strikes so but they were still of the the old mindset i think is you know yeah, education, university, get a job, you know, have yeah. a pension, be secure, yeah. don't take too many risks. Um, but I think my way of rebelling was to not worry and to be a risk taker yeah. and to do this. So that was the way that I, I think, as a child, wanted to be different from your parents Which, for. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. And actually, th thinking back, I did used to have a uh, emergency pound that my mum used to give me and on many occasions I would just in case I lost my passport so I could get the bus back, I would take that into 
into into a sweet shop and buy like 10 wan bars or 10 refreshers or if it's a really hot day buy 10 ice poles and um, <laughs> take them into school and sell them for twice as much and then <laughs> put a pound back in my pocket and have a pound to spend on sweets on the way home to myself so I did that a lot. So maybe there was a little bit in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah now that you bring it up, that, yeah. kind of, that, that comes to It's still to there. That entrepreneurial spirit was there yeah. early on. Mate, you, you mentioned a little bit about trauma and stuff. And I want to go back to obviously when you were 14 and obviously suffered some uh, sort of severe burns. Just, are you okay? Just talk a bit, little bit about that that, that that incident and obviously afterwards. And Yeah, man, we can we can dig yeah. into it as, as, as much as you want. Mate, I've that, definitely yeah. gotten to... Uh, and we'll kind of talk about this, I think, a bit more later on. A yeah. different place in my in my mind this year. Yeah. Something something changed in me. A, a change in energy, in energy that yeah. I was able to, I think, for the first time, sort of look back on. So it's thirty years this year since I was since I was in a fire, and I think from the thirty years beyond that point, I was just running to into life like head on to kind of almost make up for the stuff that I felt that I'd lost in life. Yeah, I was yeah, just, yeah. it turned me into an absolute go-getter and I was going to go and get my bit of life and have my adventure and my fun and yeah. I led to all sorts of different um, adventures. And it was this year as a point where I was like, it's like I just stopped. And there's, I think Mo Gadwat um, mentioned this. I know yeah. you've probably heard him on the Stephen yeah, Bartlett, yeah, you know, yeah, he's just incredible. And he said something in one of his podcasts that he referenced that he'd written that often it's people who go through traumatic experiences they get to 30 years after it and all of a sudden it kind of it makes sense to them something balanced yeah. up this year so yeah so a long a long way around saying I'm, yeah I'm, I'm more than comfortable sort of delving into as, as yeah, much cool. as you want um, well, well, let's just talk because obviously it's using involved in a fire and then yeah. just talk to me a little bit about as you sort of come out of that and you know being a teenager in that that sort of um suffering severe burns what, what, what was life like then after that like that where was your mindset sort of at really i mean in in one re- in one respect, it's it's horrendous at 14 years old, you know, just coming yeah. into puberty, having to um, to suffer like, quite severe burns. But then, but then on the flip side of that, because you're still growing as a human being, mm. that you're able to still put the character building blocks within you. You know, I think if it had happened to me when I was 20 or 21 or 22, then I'm a full grown adult, and you know, it's harder to pick up a language at that age. Yeah, it's harder, yeah, harder sure. to learn new things. That's because we're still growing and we're still learning. So I think I was at that growth surge of my life going through puberty where I was still able to to create incredible foundations of my character that have just like yeah. stood stood the test of time and enabled me to go and live the most in- incredible life yeah. in, in my eyes. So, but that doesn't mean it wasn't absolutely you know horrendous and you know it's like you know kids out there don't don't play with caps and, and matches around yeah. cans of petrol. It was a stupidly childish thing that happened and you know i was on holiday in ireland as well so it was i was staying at my uncle's house which was quite my parents weren't staying there yeah, yeah. so and it was in the middle of the countryside in in ireland so you know i was never actually on fire but i was trapped in a garage and had to like f- you know fight my way out and stuff and manage managed to do that i had some like crazy near-death experience that maybe if i come back on the podcast we'll we'll get into that maybe yeah, that's sure. not one to get yeah. so deep into now uh, but there's something i've also thought a, a lot about this year um so yes yeah, so i had to get to like a regional hospital and then uh, they then had to get me to dublin and my mum was in the front of the, the ambulance my dad was still in the uk and had to fly over um i died like twice on the way that they stopped to know. um 
to, they told my mum they were just changing drips and stuff but really I was flatlining in the back of the ambulance uh, so, but I but I made it to Ireland uh, and I was there for I think two or three months before I came back to England um, that was a pretty pretty bad time in Ireland so yeah, um, yeah. the care wasn't maybe there's a lot of things that they could have done better yeah. kind of looking back at it um, a lot of things that you know someone at 14 maybe shouldn't have had to go through some questionable decisions uh, and I felt like quite out of control um, you know, for you know, for example, I'm not going to pull up everything, but um, you know, I was in a coma when I first got there. Then I brought out the coma. Then it was written across my file in massive red writing, allergic to penicillin. Someone didn't read it. They administered penicillin on me. I nearly died again. So they had to put me back into a coma for another seven or ten days. Um, then to you know to cope with the amount of pain and dressing changes that I was going through, they they were just pumping me full of like morphine, and um, I got addicted to that. So then I had to cold turkey off morphine. So he, so I was like four days going through told cold turkey, hallucinating, like walking up and down corridors. Like I have like a couple of like flashback memories from those four days. Yeah. But, um, you know, my mum spent all but four hours by my bedside during those days. And yeah. I think they were probably like the four hardest days of her life. So yeah. a lot of trauma for her in that. Um, but all that kind of fuel was motivation to her to just get me, my parents to get me back to England. Yeah. And um, yes, I managed to, had to take a commercial flight and, you know, ambulance right up to the front door. And when I got back to England and I went into um, Roehampton, uh, it was, um, yeah, game changer. It was like, honestly, it was like I jumped forward oh. 20 years in terms of attitude and care. And, uh, and yeah, so then that was, yeah, but then it started like, you know, like crazy amounts of operations and stuff like that and recovery and physio and yeah and i was how, in there how long yeah. was the period of obviously recovery then from from that and then i guess getting back into some form of normal life get, going to school again and what um, happened? well i think i had about 30 operations over a period of about two and three quarter years something like that wow. um yeah so the first six months really intensive and then they tried to have like all my operations scheduled school holidays yeah, yeah. so that I could get back to school quickly. Um, I went back to school after six months, so it's relatively quickly, wow, really. Yeah, but yeah. I was, I tell you what, I was like unbelievably determined not to drop back a year. You know, I kind of took took control of, and this may be kind of answering one of your, your follow-up yeah. questions, but when I got back to England and realised I felt like very much out of control what was happening in in Ireland, when I got back to England, it's like, right, I'm taking charge now. Yeah. So it was weird that I kind of look back now and I'd, I joked with one of my co-founders, Arunje, uh, who we'll talk about later, uh, last week, that I said I felt like I became the CEO of my own, like, recovery and my own yeah. company. So it's like, it was almost like Mark Convey Incorporated, you know, and it's like, I have to take charge here. I was like, I want to know everything that's happening to me, why that's happening to me. I want to be the one making the final decisions. And so at a young age like that, yeah. Where, where does like, was you like you said? I guess you alluded to the fact that you was always quite curious and asking questions and stuff like that. Yeah. Anyway, prior to, but even like prior to, to the incident, what like did you have that sort of that drive, that determination? In, your, in was you always sort of along? I think I was in different contexts. Yeah, I think I was probably to the point too competitive yeah, you know yeah. ridiculously competitive sports or just even wanting to get to the door first it's like battle my sister for the crispiest <laughs> roast potato on Sundays. So it's like yeah. everything was a was competition, was a competition and yeah. 
I think that that made me in 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 ways a bit of a an annoying kid at times, yeah. uh, and I was always like into, wanting to be into everything, know everything was going on, question, understanding. But I think that real sort of competitive drive suddenly you put that into a different context, mm. and then you look at your situation, um, and then I kind of I think without even realizing I gamified it as well, and uh, I think that helped detach me from reality slightly. Yeah. You know, sometimes you need to suppress that and things put them in a box deal with them later because there's more pressing things to deal with so i was all of a sudden i was yeah i was able to use that competitive drive i think that i already had yeah. and apply it to to my recovery and hating you know having like you know i used to clash with teachers my my you know my primary school report card is like is like it's a yo-yo of up and down on, on a graph and it was all whether or not I had a really good teacher who understood and empathic and suddenly I was like, you know, near the top of the class yeah. to suddenly a teacher that would just tell you to do for the sake of doing it. And I just battled with people like that because yeah. I didn't get that. So then when I was in Ireland, I was just like seeing people making decisions and I felt completely out of control. Yeah. So then it was at that point, you know, I had, you know, something to, to base it off the back of like, yeah. I'm never letting that happen to me again. Yeah, so yeah. when I go to, to, to England, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be the one in control and I'm going to know everything and they're going to know that I'm the boss of my own recovery mm. and I'm always going to put them into board positions to help me m recover and you know my mum just empowered that she was incredible right. you know she gave her everything to to become my carer and she had my back from 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 the moment one and mm. she would not let people talk to her you know when they come in they often would you know talk to the parent right this is what we're going to do Mark's going to have three operations be, no 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 talk to Mark he's the one and um so that was pretty special it's amazing that as a, as a parent because you, you, you it's part of being a parent that you want to you just want to protect your children as much as possible and get but even at, at that stage to be able to go no i'm i'm going to allow him to to find his own path here i'll support him and hold his hand all the way yeah. but i'm going to allow him to, to make his own decisions and because there's part of you as a parent you just go well I'm going to take control of this situation and I'm going to do X, Y and Z and this is going to be how it's going to go but to give you to empower you to do that even at, at that young age as yeah. well is that's an amazing thing from a parent yeah but I think I also needed to take some of the burden of her as well yeah, I think we sure. always and I think that's one of the things I've kind of even thought about more this year the you know, when something happens to an individual person, it's just not them that's affected, it's, yeah, it's everyone sure. around them, right? So I think I had the kind of the awareness and the empathy to realize that it's a hell of a burden on, on my mum as well. And she's always got to be the one that's got to keep smiling and be up and yeah, be, yeah, and it's yeah. got to be, you know, tough for someone to, to go through that. So if you can take some of that responsibility, you know, off, off her shoulders, then that's something that could do. I think I wish I'd maybe, um, actually I never wish to change the past that, but I could have had more awareness maybe of how it was affecting other people around me, siblings and stuff like that, because yeah. you take, you know, you take away a lot of the kind of resource and the positive energy that it goes into me. Suddenly I'm the focal point of yeah. the entire family, extended family, you know, the, the community through, through the, the church. My parents took me to all my school, you know, yeah, suddenly sure. I became like the man in, in, in those kind of ways. And yeah. it's just, um, so yeah, so the, definitely there was probably some you know fallout from that. that yeah. I definitely think about more now today than than I did at the time. Yeah, mate, thank you. So, I mean, look, it, it's to to go through. People say like you sort of go, people go through traumas in their life, and then somehow you know some people go take one direction, some people take another. And just listening to you talk and knowing that as we've spoken previously as well, like that your positive outlook on life and how it, 
you look at stuff and you like you said being a go-getter and wanting to go and chase stuff and, and go not let something that's happened to you stop you from doing anything that you wanted to go and but that's it's an amazing thing i think what the, the level of self-awareness at a young age even like you're talking about with your with your mum and saying that sort of situation that level of self-awareness that i need to take response and responsibility here and 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 take action to make things better. That's quite an amazing thing to do at that young age. Mm. I think that like, just listen again, just listening to you talk. I'm I'm really keen to just look at that like that mindset of going like that first day you go, walk back in school. After that, that do, do you walk back in just with an air of confidence about you that I'm just going to go in and I'm going to? No, go. not that first day. That first day, hands down, was the hardest day of my entire life. Really? So forget all the massive operations and this and that and you know the actual day happened so that that day was yeah the hardest day wow. the build up to that you know because i had to really battle as well to to not drop back a year like yeah. everybody around me was saying there's just no way in the world you're going to be able to like entering gc you know first gcc year you're ever going to be able to do that and i was like there is no way in the world i'm i'm dropping back a year you do whatever you need to do to get to, to get me right and um mm. You know, my right hand was so badly damaged as well that I had to learn to write with my left hand. So I had that challenge wow. as well. Uh, and not even like a very good left hand. So <laughs> I had to, to learn to do to that to write. And um, so I had to get back to school as quickly as possible. Um, but it's tough. You know, I went to a, an all boys Catholic school. Um, very, very masculine. Like, yeah. like you know, sports was the center of everything, you know. And all those sports had been sort of taken away from me. And, and I'm wearing a a see-through perspex mask as well that I had to wear for 24 hours a day for two years to put pressure on the, the scar tissue on my face to stop it sort of rising up too much. Yeah. So not only did I go back, you know, with lots of scar tissue and stuff, but then also, you know, with this plastic perspex, you know, mask on. And I had to have, you know, a teaching assistant as well. Um, so, yeah, so that, that first day in like January 20, uh, sorry, 1993 was was yeah the, the the toughest day ever yeah. uh but but i adapted like quite quickly it's crazy you know when you're that age you're still 14 then you just you just adapt we're adaptable as human beings it what yeah. makes it it makes us so great so you just create a new reality and a, and a new norm and you're trying to adjust as quick as possible yeah and i was very lucky that it was a school that the i was like and you know whatever happened like away from you know my my ears and my eyes i don't know but yeah but no one dared like mess with me and, yeah, you know yeah. no, you know it was just i was out of bounds you know yeah. you were like out of school if anyone even touched you know yeah, touch yeah, mark yeah. sort of thing so and i had just the most ridiculous friends around me you know yeah. people that just you know i've got you know two or three friends that i've had for 40 years and just Amazing. became like yeah my henchmen in a, in, a, yeah. in, a, in a way um so so yeah, so it took a period of adjustment, uh, and then I was still going to like physio four days a week. So I was part time. I had to like drop down to five GCSEs, learning to write my left hand, typing what I could. Um, had one of like the earliest laptops that I got from me. It was like, wait, <laughs> honestly, it probably weighed as much as this desk. It's it it ridiculous. Um, yeah, but it was. Um, but you know what? It, it it got better. You know, it just it it did. And again, I kind of gamified it a bit and. I kind of knew I had this certain level of power all of a sudden, yeah. you know. So, and you just, you know, selfishly just tap into that because it's what you need at the time. Yeah. It's not, it's not a long-term thing. It's kind of a, a short-term drug that you tap into to to give yourself that 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 energy, that boost you need to 
to grow that extra little bit that you just need to get through that difficult period of your life yeah, and then sure. you can take a step back and, and, and reassess amazing like I say thanks for, for sharing it mate and like, like I say it's, it's inspiring to hear that, that part of your journey and, and it's, it's fascinating as well it's kind of interesting to see the, these, this next stage now and where you sort of come because I've read obviously listening to you talk and and, and um, following you obviously on social media and stuff as well I know it's obviously coming out of um, obviously you graduated um, and you put in your, your thing about you you had that something in your head that you, you, you didn't want to work for the man, you wanted to run your own business, you wanted to be the man. Um, but but like, again, alluding back to that drive and determination, then oh, this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to go and do these things. Do you, do you think, like you said, that, that that trauma was the thing that was the catalyst to that? Yeah, yeah I, I definitely think so. I think there was a couple of sort of like key steps in between before I kind of like went out, went out to the mm. world. So just sort of taking us back to the school days mm. a bit. Um, very good sixth form at my school, mm. but I felt like that I was wrapped up in cotton wool too much. So I'd gone back to school and somehow I managed to get the GCSEs I needed, five GCSEs. So it was a Amazing. kind of like, it was, that was like a super proud moment. But I think I'm even prouder of the fact that come 16, um, I decided to leave my school and and go to a local Six form mixed six form college, oh, you know, okay. still wearing the perspect mask, yeah, yeah. and everyone was just like, and even like my parents to initially were like, you can't do that. You've got like, what, what, you what made you do? What, what, I thought the thought that, beyond that I thought that I'm I'm going to become too soft. I'm wrapped up in too much cotton wool. People are looking after me too much. I'm at one point I'm going to need to stand on my own two feet, and if I don't learn to do that as soon as possible, then then what what hope have I've got? You know, I was desperate to want to go to, to university and I just thought, if I stay at John Fisher, nothing's going to change. Yeah. I'm going to be there another two years. All's going to be fine. But I then have to then make the leap and go to, to university. And I thought that I need a stepping stone before that. I need to stand up and prove myself. If I can do this now, then I can do anything. So weirdly, the hardest day of my life was that first going back to school. But yeah. the, the proudest day of my life is when I then left John Fisher and made that decision and all the teachers were trying to to um to rally around me and say no you can't and we want you to stay here we're going yeah. to look after you through the next two years blah 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 you're still going through recovery and I was just like no and convinced my parents and then when I made the decision my, my two best mates Brendan and Will who um yeah known for 40 years they were like and they were like very well thought of in the school you know yeah. good sports players in the rugby team sure you know, didn't get in any trouble, exactly the sort of kids that you want to stay on for six yeah. form college. And they were like, if Mark's leaving, we're going with him. Um, so wow. it's just like, I stood up and left and then my boys came with me and um, and I went to the local six form college and that was a huge step forward for me in terms of, okay, the world's not that scary out there. I can find the place within this world. I can do that. And then had brilliant time at John Ruskin, my local college. Yeah. It, was, it was brilliant, you know. Uh, and I was obviously evolving and learning and I was very lucky that I had a certain skill set, you know, gift of gab and a quick yeah. wit and stuff like this, you know, my Irish kind of background, that kind <laughs> of that humour. And um and I just had the best time there. Uh what's brilliant yeah. about like li listening to that something that I think so many people will will hopefully take away from this and something that we tap into I guess as entrepreneurs and business owners a lot ultimately to grow as individuals to grow as a business whatever that is it's that 
it's great to stay within that comfort zone, but you don't learn and you don't evolve as a person. But he, again, I'm going back to your age as well, but just having that level of self-awareness to go, I can stay in this little comfort zone where everyone's looking after me and you know it'll be an e easier path than it will be to jump out of that comfort zone, push myself and go in there. Like, that's incredible to, to look at that at, at what, 16 then, just, just start, about to start college to go. Again, that level of... Just, it just strikes me across, uh, along the path, and uh, as we we'll talk about a little bit further on as well, that level of self-awareness that you seem to be able to have. And I think it's it's easy to to look back through some self-awareness lenses. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think at the time it was a lot of it was instinctive. Yeah, you know, yeah. I wasn't sitting down and analysing and making a, a pros yeah, and sure, a cons sure. list. It's it's easy for me to sit back and now and pick out these details yeah, yeah, that yeah, we're sharing yeah, yeah, now. Uh, I'm very I'm a very instinctive person as well, so mm. I think. A lot of it, it was just it was just yeah trust trusting my gut and that's something that i've done a lot through the years yeah, is yeah, yeah. you know i've had to go to some real depths inside me to you know figure some stuff out mm. uh because there was no blueprint for what i was going through there was no one that i could go could, yeah, could sure. go and ask to figure this out because no one had no one had the answer to yeah, it and yeah. no one had gone through what the entry so from a very early age i realized that and this is like a lot of what I'm doing now with my, you know, the future endeavors and stuff is kind of knowing that the answers are, are on the inside. And yeah. with all these, these learned experiences, you, um, you kind of build up your instincts and your gut. And even if you can't put a, a, a finger on why you're doing something, you kind of know you're doing mm -hmm. it for a certain reason. Um, but I was also like in incredibly lucky that all those things wouldn't have been possible if I didn't have the support network around me and the people yeah. that I could tap into, friends and family and teachers and yeah. uh, the wider community. And it's, you know, you can't, you can't be an island. And I'm a massive fan of like collaboration and feeding off people yeah. and those ideas. So, so I was able to kind of make these big decisions knowing that I had a safety net yeah. of incredible people around me, yeah. you know, and, and I'm super fortunate with that. That's amazing. And look, we share, I think one of the reasons we go on is we share similar values around that in, in collaboration, community, and what yeah. that looks. I think certainly, you know, if anything we've learned from from the last two, three years with, with COVID is the, the power of community and our, you know, having a strong network and people around you can help you survive and thrive and go forward because you know we can't do things necessarily on our own and it is something that you know by having that like you say a support network and mm. it's interesting to see that relating obviously even even sort of back then but um it's incredible and i, I want to because obviously we've mentioned that and that is that driving that determination i want to sort of delve into that obviously after that the that you you've taken you've come out of that comfort zone you've gone into you know um and obviously college and then on, on to graduate etc but then you come out of that and still what, what again another bit I read about which I found, found fascinating was that the, you waited sort of 15 years then before that sort of 23D and, and stuff but because I think what did I, I made a note here that you, you, you put on it people do business with people and what did I know about people not enough so I travelled yeah I love that yeah, Love that. like that again. Sort of, I'm going back to that self-awareness thing at that age. Like you just gone, I, I'm I'm not ready to start my own business. I'm going to go and explore the world and find out. What talk to me a little bit about that and and the things you learned then? Yeah, because I think when I went to so I went to uh, Bristol Business School at University of West of England yeah. and um, 
And the idea was, you know, I was going to go through there and then maybe try and find a, a job in the city or something like that. Yeah. I just thought that was a natural progression. I really wasn't thinking too far and looking at the world because at that point it was like, as much as the that kind of career element, I was still on the learning to 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 be me and to to adjust. So to breaking out of a small money time town like Croydon, kind of getting away from the um the the naturally sort of worrying guilt of the you know Catholic kind of you know upbringing. It yeah. was like for me, it was all quite narrow minded. And then I went to university. And I was like, wow. There's people from all over the the country with different viewpoints here. I kind of love this. I started really then thinking about my, you know, my my view on the world became all of a sudden a little bit wider. Yeah, sure. And then a big changing moment was again. It was it was another tough time. I had to go to uh, have a placement at, um, in my third year. So I was going back. A bunch of us going to interviews in London, and I think I got turned down from like four or five, and and one of them the. Uh, the feedback was um, you got too much empathy to be able to survive in the city and I was just like huh and that really made me start and it was um, and it was and it was I think that was like the, the last job I put a got in that in that group of interviews and then all my friends had got jobs in the city got a house together and all of a sudden I'm like I don't have a placement maybe I'm not fit fit for this maybe I want to do this and I was just like I don't really want to like lose these at the time no one really valued you know soft skills or human skills as i like to call yeah. it and you know my level of empathy and the way i had to deal with people the kind of skill sets that i had to develop just to to, to cope with what like mm. what you know what i've been through and was going through and i was just like that 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 kind of really shocked me and i was like okay uh, but it's weird because then you know one door closes another door opens yeah, sure. i managed to get a placement back near my parents house i then moved back in with them for a year but it means i'm not paying rent i can save money yeah. the end of the year i have enough money to go to central america for five six weeks before i go back into my final year game changer you know really? honestly game changer for me going out there uh and seeing this like other cultures and stuff you know in the yeah. middle of like guatemala and honduras and mexico and belize and learning to dive and it was just like holy moly there's yeah. a whole world out there and then also just whenever i go somewhere though it's all about the people for me as well so interaction with the people finding out and, and at that point in, in my life i think i was going through uh trying to you know question the way that you were brought up and stuff and i realized that wow there's all these people all around the world that brought up with completely different like values and different yeah, society sure. and it's like how do we, how do we know that we've got it right yeah. they might have it right they've got less money than us but they're really happy like What's going on here and yeah. it just like it really kind of opened my mind up and all of a sudden i was like so thankful for that for those people that turned me down and if i'd like ended up you know gone in the city where like what what path would i have gone down yeah. so it's a bit of a you know serendipity moment in, in my life so then i came back and my final year was all about um yeah so then i guess i i was thinking okay now i don't i don't want to work for the man i don't want to go into into the city i don't want to yeah. become part of this you know juggernaut of a system yeah. i need to i need to figure out like what i'm going to do yeah. but i don't know what that is yet yeah. but i want to know more about people and i want to know more about how they act i want to see the world so therefore it's just go back motivated to get my degree yeah. to then um to save up money uh and and be a bit bit cheeky with the bank to get a bank loan it's yeah, like yeah. i've got a permanent job <laughs> and then said i was needed a car for my job got the money for the car quit my job 
bought a round the world ticket <laughs> and off I went. I worry, worry about that later. Wow. And, and and I just went off. I went off traveling and just purposely kind of allowed myself to to drift for a few years, yeah. like post uni. And again, in my mind, I was like, I'm just still getting mine back. You know, yeah. the universe is the uh, universe of God or whoever you want to say is like it's taking so much away from me. It's like I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go and get mine back. And not in a like crazy selfish way, but just. Well, I guess a little bit selfishly, but not at the cost of anyone else. It's yeah, like, yeah, this sure. is what I want to do. I want to travel. I want to find out more about the world, how the world works, how people work, how we interact with each other, how we're brought up. Um, question, question everything and have a lot of fun along the way. And and, and what an amazing education that is. Because I'm really keen to... Like, I wanted to go back a little bit as well and talk about sort of with the education side of stuff. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting listening to you talking about soft skills and empathy, um, which is something I sort of obviously I buy into as well. I just class myself as a people person. You think you I know, can see that, and you go. But I think both of us are. So you, you look at that, and you look at those. And what what I found interesting, you mentioned a, a while back about saying with the school, even within school, with the teachers that you responded to were mm. people that did show you empathy, and the people that wasn't didn't have those soft skills you didn't respond well to them you yeah you sort of rebelled against them mm. so it's interesting that you've got that in your nature and that's what you respond to. and i think like there, there's still such a strong narrative around like you know being a big businessman and what that looks like and you know you've got to be this really hard-nosed businessman to be a success you can't necessarily i, I often talk about it when i had the salon i went in I, I was completely not myself for three years because I was trying to be this guy who was a boss. I'm, I'm a boss, I'm running this business. and You know what I mean? I, that's just not me. I wanted to get on with people. Yeah. I'm a people person. I want to be able to do that. And I find, I find it really interesting. But from the education side of it, how do you... Because we don't, these are the skills that we don't teach at school. You don't get mm. GCSE in, in people skills, do you? No. But what are your thoughts around the education system and how it... How it how it is at the moment i think it's ripe for disruption yeah. i think we haven't innovated much in the last 40 years but then really the innovation even in the last 40 years is based off a, a victorian kind of like way of teaching people yeah. i think all we're doing is um with you know a national curriculum and the way our teachers and the way it's funded is just all they can do is just to to it's like game theory is more important than learning. So it's like what you need to do to, to pass the exams yeah. and to keep your school on you know a certain level. So obviously they don't you know come in and slap your wrist and stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. There's less there's less room for freedom of thought and yeah. um, and I don't blame the teachers. It's just it's I blame the game itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really really yeah really passionate about especially at that age of like 14 to 18. I think that's a really, really like crucial age, and I, I know from my own lived experiences that you can still add so much to a person's character at that point, yeah, and you sure. can still allow them to take charge more of of their own futures. Yeah. So I would love to eventually down the road with some of the things I'm working on would be to to really look at the the way that we help teenagers transition into adulthood and empowering them to become leaders of their own future yeah. i don't think that they get the right time of careers advice from either their parents or the schools yeah. uh, but i don't think it should be their responsibility to do it you know yeah. a lot of teachers just have a very blinkered view in the world because they haven't gone out and lived so many of them just gone to you know yeah. to uni qualify into a school and and that's then become their life 
parents a lot of them would be like well you know i didn't go to university so you're going or <laughs> i went so you're going and the and it's not their own fault I, you know i think that your parents a lot of parents don't always evolve to to give the right advice for the the, the point that the, you know the where the way of the world is aligned with their children at that time they're still living yeah. in their own era yeah, so i think there's a way to go in and work directly you know with kids yeah. empower them uh, but do it from a place of like education and love and too much of the moment especially when it comes to around anxiety around the planet and stuff like that it's coming from a place of fear and anxiety and yeah, yeah so yeah it's a big kind of area that i, I think about a lot yeah i i, I agree I, I think like like you're right it's almost it's got to something's got to change from the top isn't it like like yeah. you said it, it's it can feel down and there's elements of it with some great teachers at, at school and maybe not some some great teachers but because they're because they're under this pressure to uh, hit these Ofsted marks and they've got to do this and it's just so structured in that sense and of course it's got to be structured I know we've got to, you know there's got to be the fundamental basics that people have got to learn I understand that but I really feel that there's so much um, from the soft skills people skills life skills that we could introduce into uh, into the education system that would actually hold people better for a better future they would they, if they we could home in with those skills as opposed to just you know maths english it's <laughs> just you know what i mean along yeah. the lines and it's like you know people with neurodiversity and it's yeah. just it doesn't fit for so many yeah, like yeah, 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 it yeah. Just, it's like a, it's like you know, this is one thing and this yeah. is, everyone's got to do this exactly and, it's like so many people with these like spikes and in incredible skills yeah. that they're the people that that evolve society, that come up with great inventions, that think outside the box and do these things. But yeah. then at the very same time, we're saying you've got to fit into this box. Yeah. And if you can't, <laughs> if you can't read the words we've written in, you can't do your arithmetic, and you can't do that, then yeah. suddenly everything else doesn't matter, and you don't yeah. fit within the system, and then you can't progress as much. Yeah. And the amount of brilliant people that are, you know, are falling through the cracks in society, yeah. and it's like I'm someone like a massive, you know. Um, sort of supporter of the you know the edi movement and and how that does into the workplace down into education and yeah. how we really invest in the individual and empower the individual and understand and create much more flexible frameworks for for people to be able to feel comfortable in their own yeah. skin but also to have the opportunity to learn yeah. so we need a, a way a way wider kind of you know view on this in terms of how a lot of work needs to be done and yeah. uh but the problem is like education is so underfunded teachers aren't paid enough they're super stressed and it's it's such a it's so simple if you just look at the, the wider picture it's yeah. prevention is better than cure and it's yeah. like why aren't we getting to pe people younger and really like really investing the money there because yeah. then we'll save so much you know so yeah. many problems later on in society is because of you know the lack of the right kind of education for the person when they really need it at the most yeah i completely agree with you mate I completely agree um look i want to i want to talk about as well obviously start just prior to starting obviously the company you know obviously 23d 2017 do you talk to me a little bit about that process prior to that so you've traveled for a few years you know open your mind some amazing experiences um talk to me a little bit about other about the poker side of things and gaming talk, talk to me a little bit about that, program, yeah. that period just before starting so poker was like a, a, a massive massive part of my life for yeah. you know near on 15 years and it was sort of what gave me the direction in, in my life you know yeah. stopped me being a the drifter in my early to in mid-20s that I was uh so when I kind of came back and settled a bit in London 
and someone taught me the game of poker and I was like this is quite good and I was just playing with friends for for fun and would beat them most of the time so it was interesting and then I was like oh you can play for free online I'll do that and kind of then learned the rules a lot more and how it all works and I was like there's no harm putting $20 online just to see where it goes and then uh, you know that $20 turned into $100 turned into $600 turned into five grand and I was just like in a few months I was like I might not be bad at this I'm game. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Yeah. yeah. And at the same time, I was um, volunteering for Crisis, the homeless charity. So I was oh, doing okay. three days a week there in London. Yeah. And I wanted to try out some stuff. I was trying to look in for a direction. So I was already had that in my mind that wanted to have a, a greater purpose and, and help people. Yeah. And I think that's always been within me. So working for Crisis was great. Yeah. And, and it, it felt like I had balance while I was then decided I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to play poker for a living. I'm going to try and make money out of this. So, but you know, initially it went quite well. And then all of a sudden you have like a bad month and then you have a good month and then a bad month. And I became obsessed with it. I really did it in a way. It kind of took over a lot, you know, to the point where friends were like, man, you've become so boring. All you do is like talk about poker, you know, girlfriend at the time didn't like it um, after initially loving it. So everyone loved it to start with. Oh, that's exciting. Like Mark's making money playing poker. And then, (laughs) And then all of a sudden it's like, it's all Mark talks about is poker. Um, But the thing is that to to really, it's a very hard way to make an easy living is one of the the sayings. And I think you have to completely commit your life to it. And I wasn't willing to do that. I'm too much of a sociable person, really value my friends and this and that. So I knew that I couldn't put the effort in that it required to be a sustained professional poker player yeah. uh, I didn't want to sacrifice those other things yeah. uh, that were too important to me and so I was like okay but I love the game I love the fact that you know it enables me to travel as well so I can keep up you know my addiction to travel with pull it alongside my new addiction with poker <laughs> yeah. so I was like okay but this is an interesting industry there's something going on here so I was like okay well if if I can't if I can't play within it, maybe I can work within the industry. So yeah. it's like, okay, maybe this is them. So the, the, the you know the the, the volunteering for crisis kind of you know went by the wayside once I finished my volunteering contract. That kind of went. I was like, I'm going to see what I can do here. And yeah. the game the game fascinated me on, on on so many levels. You know, I wasn't in it for the um for the for the gambling side and the buzz of making money. I love the strategic. Um, element of it yeah, and sure. um, the kind of the game theory and and then when I went to play live poker for the first time and uh, played my very first poker tournament I was like wow I was like this is such a leveler yeah, yeah. so everyone sits down they've got the same amount of chips and I'm like looking around and there's people from age 18 to 80 there's probably five different ethnic backgrounds here you know oh, there's a female yeah. player at the table that person looks like he's got a bit of money. That person <laughs> looks like a scruff off the street. And I'm like, <laughs> but it doesn't matter because we're all sat here, same amount of chips, and no so. one's got any power over anything except the the the, the luck of the way the cards fall. But then yeah. obviously then the, the skill element that comes in, the decisions you make along yeah. the road. And I was like, it fascinated me. Um, so now I started really getting interested in becoming a fan of poker and the... Uh, the characters and the story and it was this was the mid noughties and it was a very very interesting time in the poker world that there was a, a sl- start of the transition so for decades it had been dominated by these big you know texas with big hats and characters <laughs> yeah, you know sure. out the back of a bar you know a lot of people they would assume poker to be yeah, yeah, yeah. uh but then there was this, 
the internet completely changed the game of poker and the fact you can yeah. learn online you could uh play 10 15 20 tables and once if you're good enough so suddenly you could play more hands in in a month than someone previously could play live in a year and you could learn more you could extract the data yeah. so then there was this transition period of First off, it was a real defensive by the the old guard saying, "Ah, oh, these internet kids," and it was seen as a weakness. And all of a sudden, these internet kids took over. So I was fascinated by the characters, and then I saw, yeah, that there was opportunities to write about it. And uh, the club that I was playing at had an online site and an editorial site, and they needed someone to do some part-time tournament reporting. Yeah. So I went along for a trial one day, and I knew I wasn't like the best writer and needed to, to you know. I, I didn't come from journalism school or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I've sure. got to like write on a, on a blog, but I thought, you know what? What I can do is go in and be the most positive person, a great team member, work yeah. my socks off, and that that I think. Well, I was told later that that had a, a big impact on mm-hmm. uh, um, Stephen Bartley, a really good friend of mine now, who gave me my first break. So mm-hmm. I worked with him, and then all of a sudden, it was the, I was working covering like the European Poker Tour, so it was like if I could put a, sort of put it into like football terms, it was like, oh, learning to play football one year. The next year is like, you're going to try and make it as a pro. And then, and then you realize, oh, you're not quite good enough. So you're just going to go and start uh, reporting in the Champions League like you're an expert. You know, I was like straight wow. to that Champions yeah, League level. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Because really that was only where the, the money was. No one was really doing this career full time that much. Wow, wow, wow. So it was very early ages, very early stages of... Um, I mean, who says that they're a poker blocker as a career? It's like, <laughs> so, but then I was in the right place at the right I time and the industry just exploded, like wow. exploded almost overnight. It was already huge in America and then a huge wave of um, poker in Europe, loads of money pouring into it. And yeah. I was just the cream that kind of rose to the top. So I, all of a sudden I was able to go play less and less and less for money and more and more and more just going to these tournaments um, so I was in, in, in Baden and then, you know, I'd be going to Vegas every year um, wow. and just, and it was the boom era. It was so much money floating around. There yeah. were so many incredible parties. There were celebrities everywhere, sports stars involved. And because wow. and you're at the kind of the center of this like media revolution that's going on. People yeah. really like want to know you and they want you to cover them and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's super easy for me to get to to know so many people and it was a it was a wild ride and one experience yeah and then you know at some point i think people then so at that point it was very much uh like the, the written side but then they would film it and then it would be on channel four late at night yeah, tv yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the broadband came in and suddenly live streaming became a possibility so yeah. live stream started happening happening at these poker tournaments and so then they needed more commentators to uh, to to commentate on the live stream, yeah, sure. And they were like, oh, "This guy's got a gob," but he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> and, and by that point, I knew everyone, and I'd have like, you know, encyclopedic knowledge of poker and results and players, and was you know quite well known. It yeah, albeit yeah. in a niche industry, I'd really raised my profile. Amazing. And yeah, and then so I evolved into being a poker commentator. And uh, behind a mic like this, and sitting down and just <laughs> chatting about the game, I love. I love this. Is this is this is my environment? Exactly, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it was just, it was just brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I, I absolutely, absolutely loved it. Um, again, again yeah. to, I guess a, a little key bit to take out of that for me is, and lessons for other people. I guess listening is that 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 thing of look, I'm, I'm in this environment. I love, I love what this is about. Maybe I'm, you know, that's not the. 
I, I'm not going to make a living out of that, so I need to. But just again, thinking in a different way, your mindset, the way it works, and thinking that, you know, in a creative way, I guess again, well, I can't do that, but I love being in this industry, so I'll just go down this path. I can create a little niche for myself there. And then, and just having that self belief in there that there's a problem, I can't make a, a living out of this professionally, or I've not got the time to dedicate to. Making a professional, I'm going to do. X, I'm going to do this. That's yeah. such a great lesson for people to be. I mean, there's always a solution, isn't there? If you, you want something bad enough, there's always a solution that you can look at and go. There is, and I think again, it's it's important to point out that it's very easy to to look back and sort of objectively say, "Oh, you were very well aware. You did this and that." And yes, there was some awareness in it, but I think what's even more important and a, a lesson that I think we can all learn is just it's just opening yourself up to possibilities yeah. it's it's opening itself up to universe that allowing that space for something to come in and so often in my life you know when one door's closed and even bigger doors opened and yeah. it's because i allowed that space for something to happen so i didn't necessarily manifest exactly what i wanted but i manifested something but, yeah. that would happen and it would suit me and i could adapt to it and why not just dive straight in and what's the worst that can happen you can always change it and don't ever regret you know not making a decision to try something I, th I think that's it that's that's the key for me and I always talk about it myself like, I'd rather try something and not work out and go oh well you know what and I'll learn from that and then I'll go and try something else Or, but just be I think as entrepreneurs and many people I speak to like 43rd episode or, or whatever we've, we've done now and everyone I sort of speak to very much along the lines of just being open to opportunities entrepreneurs business owners people just open to opportunities that other people won't necessarily look for or won't see yeah. out there and i think that's such a key thing if you are open like you said that that life's an opportunity so grab it and big time yeah yeah big time but i think always through that as well through the, the pokey years i was always thinking at some point as well gonna start a business what it is have i got you know it's yeah. so definitely at that point yeah that was um, it I was the, um, the cogs started turning. The, the, the cogs were turning, and there was a couple of almost startups and apps and stuff that nearly got off the ground. And I was one of these people that was into was into everything that was going on at these poker events. I loved it, and you know, they used to joke that behind the scenes I was like really running things and stuff. You know, <laughs> yeah. I knew everyone, and I'd offer opinions. And if I saw a problem, I'd probably like sticking my nose in too much, right? But it's just <laughs> I couldn't help. It's like, oh well, if I, you know, I love just sort of connecting dots if it's like people or ideas and solutions and you know i love, I love working in kind of mind maps in my head and mm. i can see well that's there and that can solve that problem have you thought about doing this or why yeah. don't you do this so i was always kind of innovating yeah. in a in a in a very innovative space yeah. and because the poker industry was a bit like the wild west in those days it was like people were you know making shit up as they as they, as they go along yeah, and yeah. um but it was a great environment because there was so much money around at that point it didn't matter if mistakes were being made and people were trying things and you could offer your opinions and um but it, yeah it, it got to a certain point with some other ma uh, other motivations built in that was like okay now i now i need to to step away from you know i'd, I'd, I'd reached a glass ceiling in in my poker career and i had yeah. opportunities to join one of these big gaming companies but i never did want to yeah. just from a, a really a moral standpoint you know i was really interested in poker for the the strategy the characters the yeah, yeah, sure. uh the ability that it um uh, the opportunity it gave me to, to still travel yeah. all those things were but not the shady side of it and the gray areas yeah, and, yeah. you know you know there's obviously there was so much dirty money you know floating yeah, through these um, and yeah, so that yeah. that so i didn't want to go in 
and work for these big industries you know yeah. again it's like i just thought i'm probably not going to last two months either i'll go in and i'm so opinionated and this and that i tried <laughs> yeah. to do it a nice way and i'm like oh no yeah. oh, i didn't think that would like you know impact your ego and that's your position in your job and um <laughs> yeah. so i was like okay if i'm going to do something i need to go off and, and do your own and, and do it and do it my own way yeah so, to, so that's obviously then 23d that's where that that, that come about then it, so. yeah it did and there was a couple of stages to, to kind of motivate me is like using my experiences using some tough times as well to really sort of give 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 me the, the boost you know I was flying high in in my poker career and then you know I lost my role on the the highest profile commentary team and it was a real sucker punch because mm. you know I felt like it was made for more political reasons than than than, than my talent and um and you know that that team wasn't one with the, the greatest atmosphere it was just like oh it was just and it was but then instead of throwing my toys out of the pram you know i just sucked it up and i was like right how can i use this this motivation yeah. but ironically you know i i got told that i was doing that losing that position and then two months later i won the biggest award that that the industry could have given me like two months <laughs> later in front of the people that had like taken me off this team wow. it was wow, um, wow, wow. You know, European Media Person of the Year award at this big like banquet dinner, and and I was Amazing. the only person, the only, you know, the previous year I'd been nominated for Industry Person of the Year, and and then I got shortlisted for that. But then the panel decided on the day was like, well, we've got Mark, this media guy, who's like brilliant, love what he does, but he's up against these industry heavyweights. How can we like compare somebody who runs a, you know, a multi-billion-pound company or a multi-million-pound tour against little commentator Mark? <laughs> so the next year they decided they needed to make a. Uh, media person of the year category so it was the inaugural one it was probably the biggest the awards have ever been and i won it in front of like all, all my peers and players and it was amazing and, and i didn't rub it in their faces you know because uh, we were nominated as well as a commentary team we didn't win that yeah i won the individual big award amazing and neither of the people that were left on the you know the team had been been nominated um so that was like a, a real boost yeah sure uh but then i was like right okay You've been kicked off this. How do you how do you use this as motivation? And I was looking at the way that that um, poker events were being covered in terms of video content for um, social media. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I've just the TV team. They're they're creating content very much with the TV kind of background. Yeah. For me, way overproduced. You know, why do you need two cameramen, a, a boom mic, a sound person yeah. to go back to a separate editor to go to someone else to decide it? to then put it out a day or two after the event yeah. with the way that the live blog was and um, TV viewing figures getting less and less because people were watching the live stream. People wanted this information really quickly. So I was like, there's got to be a better way to do it. I was like, why, does it, why do you need a 50 grand lens on that camera to mm -hmm. shoot something that someone's watching it on the little screen? And I was like, if I just had a really good cameraman editor alongside me i was like i know all the people i know the stories yeah. i've got the trust of all the players you know just want a big award i can yeah <laughs> i can i can go and find these stories and it's like and if we know the kind of stories you're telling can't we just shoot to that and then turn stuff around quicker and get it out on the same day and at the same time i'd been um uh, then quickly headhunted for another poker tour so it became uh, on the Unibet poker tour, much smaller tour, smaller budget, family atmosphere. Reminded me of the early days of the EPT, which is which yeah. is brilliant. And there's a guy on there, David Pomeroy, who, you know, after one event with me commentating, I again did my usual thing. I, well, but this time I was like, do you mind if I see some stuff that you're doing? Can you know improve yeah. it? And 
And he was telling me, look, you're just consulting for free. He was like, one, would you come and work for us for like full time? I was like, no, 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 I'm not joining a gaming company. But uh, so I got like talking to him and then describing my kind of these ideas I've got. And he goes, I love those ideas. And he goes, you've got, you know, so much to give. He was like, why don't you just set something up? Um, I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe I do need to do that. And um, so he's like, if you set something up, we'll give you your first contract. We'll get you off the ground. So, you know, so that that became then the seed. It was almost an, an, another company with someone else that, that didn't work out in the very, very early stages. I realized this person wasn't the right person. Yeah, sure. And then, um, like, James Beer came into my life. I was still loving living in London at the time. But we had a mutual friend, and I met him a few times, and I needed someone to to save a, a documentary that we'd filmed for Unibet that hadn't gone too well with the person who was supposed to be my, you know, going to be my business partner. James came in saved the day we reshot it the client loved him he just just started his own uh production company here in in brighton but really it was just him and his individual yeah. and he's like i don't want to do this on my own he was like i see the opportunities you've got the ideas i'd love Let's to do, do this with you and i was like well there's my cameraman and an editor and yeah so know. we we then yeah um formed 23 digital as we uh yeah. we started then um yeah i just sold up in london as well at the same time and moved down to Brighton and 23 Digital was born. We started working you know, with Unibet, doing lots of stuff. And then once people started seeing the stuff that we were producing, then a lot of pe- big players sort of came in and wanted their, you know, their pound of flesh of me. And yeah. we started to go work in different tools and doing this quick turnaround content. And I paired James up with really experienced freelancers that I loved, yeah. or I loved their work over the years. Uh, so he could really learn from them and they knew the the kind of game of poker and we just created incredible content like super quick turnaround yeah. with very little drop off in quality really well none that you could notice if you're watching it on on your ipad or your yeah, laptop yeah, and, cool, stuff yeah. and, and sort of re not reinvented but just innovated in that space and yeah. you know just did it in a, did again, it in a better way opportunity and can there's a gap there there's an opportunity again that innovation creativity that you can see that and go I can I'm going to create something from this and go out there yeah. and do it especially like you said knowing knowing the industry so well might as well listening to I was listening to a podcast the other day the high performance one which I listened to quite a lot um, and yeah, obviously that. yeah well, really but Jake Humphreys has got his own production company isn't he Whisper with and they actually interviewed his business partner Sunil um, Patel and it, that was really interesting to say and it was a, a similar type of thing in that they was in an industry um, they was both working in Formula One and they wanted that they, they felt exactly that like listening to your story is exactly that, that we could turn we could do higher production of these things turn it around quicker and without losing the quality and i think and they, and they exactly s- similar type of format to that and they similar again like where you had the unibet thing they got williams i think on board early on it's just interesting to hear that the the, the likely i've only just listened to that episode and listened to you talk it's really interesting to see that those skills that came up as an opportunity we i believe i can do this and turn this around a bit quicker and create a, a business from that and an opportunity which which you obviously did um and I know, obviously, then that's taking you, 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 you sort of fifteen years and your different learnings on and different experiences to go. Right, I'm going to start my own business now. I've seen this opportunity and done yeah. that. Um, I want to then move on. You look at code to 2020. Um, COVID hits 90 percent of planned annual revenue in a week. Talk to me about you waited this long to start your own business. You've done it, and then that happens talk to me a little bit about your mindset then what's going through you had so leading into 20 
20, we'd the previous year had made a decision to diversify away from poker. Right. James had a young family. I'd been on the road like 15 years. We yeah. were just so much travel involved. It's like, okay, we've got an incredible body of work now. And the, the poker industry itself, the, the market became very choppy. There was a huge amount of consolidation going on. Yeah. Big buyers, people buying out. Poker sales got bought by Paddy Power. And there was a lot of offices closing down. People get made redundant. Mm. So it became, for a small agency like ours, too, too risky to try and keep going in that industry. You know, I pitched for a big contract to the same job role over a nine month period to three different people within that job role. And it's like, how am I ever going to get any traction here? And yeah. and the li- little guys, it's like, they, you know, they're not worried about you. They're, so it's like, okay, well, you know what? We've had a good vibe with this. We've got a great um, uh, body of work now, crazy body of work that we've done in the first 18 months or two years. Um, we were really getting into, we loved the shooting like the hospitality at event, you know, yeah. when we're at these events, like the, like James had a real life for uh, like the details of buildings and uh, the player parties and the experiences. And we thought, okay, well, we can apply this to, to the hospitality scene and we can still do events just away from poker. So we yeah. can take our methodology to, yeah, to yeah, events yeah. in other industries and we can really delve into food and hospitality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we made the difficult decision to, to scale back down. So we got up to five um, and then in 2019, beginning of, throughout 2019 we scaled it right back to James and I yeah. and we gave up our office in, in platform 9 uh, moved to the Hope branch and just like it was just me and James again starting yeah. out and so we were very lucky that we were super lean we didn't yeah. have a, a big team and loads of overheads and, and stuff like that um, but we were also getting very very involved in, in, in tech and really interested in AR and VR and yeah. we were also leading up to March 2020 going for a half million pound Innovate UK smart grant to digitalize food menus so based someone gave me the idea of like photogrammetry of food dishes and so you could hover over a qr code and see your dish pop up in 3d but then you could get loads of more information about uh there's an extra display really about the provenance about nutrition allergies all these things that'll be a great way to to really like delve uh, to give more information and digitalize the the end experience but then i was like i don't want to do this just for for money by that point i was already like purpose was okay well we could so talk to some people about you know deep data and ai and realize that if we get people to use that technology we can extract really deep information and start profiling for the good um especially in big chains people's eating habits and then if we then fed that back to the 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 especially the big restaurants they would know better what people are going to order because you know people's second choices where they're going to order a pudding just by where they're looking how they're interacting with this menu they could then better plan what food they get in. We could cut down food waste. It would be good for the planet. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had like a couple of, I had a big NGO and a non-profit, like willing to partner with me on it. I got Innovate UK, loved it, gave me a coach to work with me on it. And then all the time we were then about to niche 23D and really rebrands as like food and hospitality with yeah. a technical edge, you know, but really content was at the heart of what we were doing. And we're still doing events. It was our day to day, and yeah. more in Europe and in the UK. And then, yeah, March 2020, events, food, hospitality, three industries brought to their knees. And the Innovate UK Smart applica- uh, the grant application was due to go in by May. Innovate UK came back and said, "Look, every single um, money that's going to be paid out now is going to be out for innovation around COVID and how we can innovate our way out of." Yeah, this situation sure. so you've got absolutely no no hope of winning it you know we had 
a chain restaurant, small one in, in, in Brighton Semi, agreed to allow us to do real world testing. So we, there was no restaurants we could test our, because this is an R&D grant. Um, yeah. And yeah, events, all the events that we were supposed to go and film for the rest of the year suddenly weren't happening. All the restaurants we were going to film into Etch, like um, Stephen Edwards yeah, and Etch yeah. was a client of ours, all closed. So it's just like, from like Tuesday to Friday, it was like, all right, that's, this is not good. <laughs> wow. So what, but what then, like, because so many people got affected by COVID in certain ways and different businesses, but you're listening to that story and you go, right, so, so where, where does your, where does your head go? Where does your mindset go at that point? And, and think, because the, the word for me that come out of COVID was probably resilience, the amount of resilience that business yeah. owners, entrepreneurs needed to show to, so, so just talk to me a little bit about your mindset around it. Like what, what goes through your head on that day? Well, other, you, than, other than shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you, you go into like a state of shock to start with yeah. and then lick your wounds but very quickly move on. Yeah. And it was like kind of looking at myself in the mirror and be like, come on, dude, you're made for this. If like yeah. positivity and resilience, this is this is time for you to step up now. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so James and I just like put us together with other, another kind of um, few people and we were just like, right, okay, there's there's problems here, but problems to me just are opportunities you know there's solutions as like we have the chance to all that the way we were innovating and thinking stuff like none of it's wasted it's mm. like there's just new opportunities now this is going to like change the world we're really into tech and digital we've got an amazing network of freelancers around us mm. and that was the biggest key the our business model with 923 was to keep ourselves very lean and a small team but then to have like loads of freelancers that we would use yeah. you know animators shooters editors and then we start talking to the, our, our clients that you know that we did have, and how could we help them? How could we innovate the the way out? Also, what could we do just to give our time to, to people as well? We had a very much, you know, the um, hospitality action uh, nonprofit and a business in a restaurant um, scene. We're like having to we're screwed. They were having to try and help all their members and stuff work their mm -hmm. way through this. So we said, okay, well let's work out how to put on like zoom calls and stuff like that be video calls we can we can help to our initial clients commun keep communicating yeah. and then we had one client that was um is a um a pr media company and their big tent poles in terms of revenue for them were their three-day conferences third-day award ceremony and the mm. award ceremony specifically where people pay to enter these awards yeah was their was their massive revenue drivers four or five times a year they were like ticketed and sponsored and the next one they were supposed to be holding was in the Cipriani Hotel in Manhattan and it's a thousand dollar sit down like banquet wow. dinner just to get there and then like the biggest brands in the world are there to win these PR awards and they're yeah. like we've got to find a way to still host this and it's got to be so that we can ticket it so it's got to be dynamic and yeah. so we can still sponsor it and we were like oh, you know what we've got some people in our in our in our network of freelancer yeah. stuff let's let's just try and help you innovate your way out of this. So we thought, okay, we've got to put on these dynamic virtual events. So all of a sudden, before we realized and talking to our clients, we've pivoted into being a virtual event company because that's wow. all we could do. And we just put on the most spectacular virtual event for them. Took a month and three to four different teams, probably up to eight people working on it. You know, green screen filming in, in, in Hong Kong and in, in London, wow. creating uh, Jason who's in here, Jason Hardin. 
brilliant animator, 3D animator. Yeah. He recreated the Cipriani. So he created the inside of it wow. in 3D space. Wow. We then did, he then created like 800 uh, avatars all sat around the room. So they were like, it was like you were watching like the room, but they were little Love cartoon that. avatars. Love that. Did fly throughs of the room, create all these, uh, all the, so all the acceptance speeches were pre-recorded uh, so yeah. rather than people turn up and find out if they won they got to know beforehand kept it quiet yeah. we pre-recorded that uh, all those speeches on zoom yeah. mixed it in and then yeah played out and just did this really dynamic event some live some nine and so then that those and then doing another two or three like saved us as, as a company and wow. it was a way that we could just but but we'd never done that before like we'd already gone to I mean, events uh, and films all of a sudden we had to bring it online and who's out there who can help us and so I like a couple of things I want to take. One, again, that that sense of resilience that you know is paramount in in all entrepreneurs, and so many of us had to show that during, I guess, during that period. But like, just again, seizing the opportunity, looking at looking at the problem, trying to find it, trying to find a solution. How do we survive? How do we get out of this? But just again, the main thing there for me, like you said, you you again, you yourself created this community of people and reaching out to them and going, how, how do we, how, how do we make this happen? And and making it happen making that and that's, that's such a brilliant for any look if any of us can get get through get through that like get through covid and come out that other side and 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 what it looks like just showed how much resilience and how much creativity is it within entrepreneurs and, and business owners and that sense of collaboration and community for me there's yeah, some that's, key that's, things that that's the key yeah, yeah collaboration community yeah, yeah, yeah. let's work together and yeah. i think there's so many important lessons like why yeah. the lessons that we can learn from that yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah so oh, i love that i love that and and then i, I want to go on obviously then I, I sort of but for four months ago then you, you and james decided to to, to close 23d yeah um and go obviously in different directions and I, I know you sort of alluded to a little bit earlier about purpose-driven entrepreneur and around them sort of line so just let's delve into a little bit of, again that conversation with james what, why you went in that direction and, and obviously now with your n sort of new path now as well talk to me a little bit about yeah it. so i think a, you know that like a lot of people the the pandemic when you're sit and forced to sit and you've got more time and yeah. you can really sort of think back about what you've done you look at the world at the problems that are, that are going on i think a lot of people are like okay like i need to have more purpose here i need to have you know a more positive impact on society and i was like well, you know what can i do with you know my lived experiences, my network, my platform, whatever it may be to to have a bigger impact. Yeah. You know, I want to be a net positive individual on, on society. And and I was slowly, I think, getting to the point where I was willing to, having the confidence to to kind of put my voice out there and mm. just be open and authentic about the, the way I saw the world. Yeah. So I, I think using like LinkedIn as, a, you know, I started sharing some just thought leadership pieces in 2020 and just kind of really talking, not any kind of like business speak or this or that uh, so much, yeah. little bits, but more about innovation and people and collaboration and how I saw the world and that I felt that the that business world had an opportunity and a responsibility to help us out of this situation as well. Yeah. And looking at what was going on with the government and how they were handling it, it was like, well, we can't really rely on them. Yeah business needs to step up and, and, and do stuff and then i got introduced to a former client of mine one of the um 
event companies that so they were a former client just because they weren't holding in any events you know she and a co-md uh of that um company saw the stuff i was writing and said okay we need to catch up i'm on a bit of a similar journey here and then we had a brilliant talk and then she said i really want to introduce you to to anna and paul who have uh, just launched um this non-profit um, um membership community called marketing kind so she introduced me to them had a brilliant chat with them uh they were like yeah we'd love to have you in as a member and they're some of the the smartest people that i've you know ever ever been involved yeah, with sure. like proper like not just marketeers within business but real game changers within business people who have founded like really big companies people who have you know authors professors on the boards of big companies and realizing if they come together they can use the world of business to and to market and to change things so i very quickly made them a pro bono client of 23d yeah. i wanted to support them because they need some help with editing and stuff and then i just threw myself into the community and the different um, things that we we're working on so every month there'd be sort of digital fireside chats or things yeah. called exchanges where they'd get someone on and interview them so yeah. they managed to get seth godin on who's one wow. of my kind of icons like the godfather yeah. of modern day marketing and he came on for 90 minutes and was just like unbelievable wow but then we have these things called coffee with a cause as well where a member uh, um, will bring a, a charity or a non-profit to, to the table and they've got some problems and they need to get through it and if you feel like it's something you can help with, you jump on the session, yeah. they kind of state the help that they need and the situation's going on, then we all put our brains together and they just basically get 10 or 15 like high-level consultants working on them, opening up their networks, wow. creating working groups from that afterwards. So there's all these different things going on, projects that we're helping and working on. And that was brilliant because I felt like I was having an impact, but the, the it was having an impact on me personally as well and realizing not only did I actually feel like I was belonging in these circles, but I felt like I was shining in these circles with yeah. some of the things that I was saying and the reactions I was getting from people. And I was like, okay, maybe maybe I do need to believe myself a bit more. Maybe I'm, you know, a bit more than a poker player and, and <laughs> someone who's like, you know, survived and thrived through trauma. And it's like, maybe yeah. I do now have a, a voice that I can use for the greater good. Yeah. But I didn't know what that was going to be. And try to felt like you know i went down the path of you know really wanting to inspire businesses to to do better and help us recover from the pandemic and i thought okay i can rebrand 23d to be the video agency that helps those companies show off that the good that they're doing make yeah. them an employer choice going into the future and all these things and i thought maybe that will fulfill some of this 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 need for having a greater purpose yeah. i could have so we did all that grew the team uh but i still wasn't quite there it was yeah. i was getting frustrated really with the sort of exec level people that i was you know chatting to and 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 then i just thought you know what mark you're just you're trying to go in and convince them to be the game changers and then you're trying to service them yeah. and then why don't you just be, become the game changer yourself and it's um so i was just like okay and so this is like now to the end of 2021 and we had a really stressful end of the year 2021 uh within 23d we got a load of kit robbed and a job in london and it was just and it was after the very best day that we had that year and then we got a kit you know got a kit robbed I mean, and because I, we, we, we was at a lunch or something not long after that 
happen. Yeah. We, didn't we? But I remember, yeah, you saying about and it, that at that point. It was really stressful. Yeah. And I think it like really definitely, you know, impacted James as well. And I felt like the momentum that we'd, we'd built up through the year, it just, it chopped us down at the knees. Yeah. And then I think we didn't quite have the, at that point, maybe because we'd taken so many blows and knocks and yeah, we kept yeah, it yeah. going and you'd get going and you pivot and you do these things and you think you're getting it right and then you grow the team, you have more stress on that and yeah. then bang, it chops you down. So sort of stumbled a bit mentally and physically into Christmas where finally I'd like two weeks to to to, 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 to sit and think yeah. and it was, just, like, it was lockdown going on. So yeah, yeah. I couldn't go and see my family in London because they were in a different tier. So I'd like one day at Christmas and then... And then I just like sat like, in my lay in my flat, and I just thought, and it, I didn't go into a, a depression. I was just going deep into myself yeah, and yeah, really yeah. trying to figure out. I was like, you know what? You've you've done this before, kiddo. You can you can try and figure out. Yeah. And so I just yeah almost incubated and and thought, you know what? I think I've taken twenty three D as far as I can. I need to spread my wings. Um, I feel like I can have an impact and actually. I feel like I'm restricted now in the company that I've created, but also I kind of look back at the way that I'd been the driving force about the rebranding and the new messaging and this and that. And I was like, is it really fair on me to try and use the resources of 23D to, to scratch that H to have yeah, that greater yeah. purpose? If it's just not the right vehicle, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. other people involved here. You know, who's going to stand up and say to you, Mark, even though you went through all these branding sessions that maybe Mark, this is your time to move away. Uh, and I funded and bank, you know, a bankrolled and formed the company. And yeah, James yeah, yeah. was like, "No one's going to be brave enough to, to to do that to me." So I was like, "I've got to make this decision." So I came back in January of this year and said to my senior management team, like Carolina and James, I was like, "You know what? This is what I'm thinking. I don't know what it is. I think I've taken it as far as I can." And they were like, "For all the reasons I've just said, yeah, we completely agree with you. Uh, yeah. We can see that." Um, so I was like, "Okay, well, I've no idea what I'm going to do, but I know I need to just." jump off this train for a bit so immediately i went non-exec director and we said okay we're going to try this for three months and i said right okay, i'm taking myself off off to wales yeah i'm just going to slow things down so i went and rented a friend's house on the edge of snowdonia national park and the only thing the team said to me was just record some videos to linkedin just talk from the heart about your thought process uh, and what's going on let, let let your network see what we see from you every day what people in this building see from you every day and just see what happens I yeah. thought, okay well i'll do that and then that could be a precursor to starting a podcast or yeah. someone to get my voice out there but really i just didn't didn't know what i was going to do yeah. so i went off for three weeks slowed things right down went out and just walked through the woods and oh go on talking to camera <laughs> stuff like that and um i've seen so james cut it together and then i did two or three and they just blew up and i was yeah. like oh my word and they led to, uh, you know, to, to incredible conversations with different people who was opening up new networks with me and the feedback I was getting was was incredible. But also, I opened up that space in my mind to 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 really kind of allow other things in. Yeah. You know, running an agency and I'm such an empath as well that I put to other people's needs before, you know, myself yeah. and, and you kind of lose yourself a bit. And I felt like I, once we moved away from poker, I'd maybe lost my identity a bit. Yeah. And and also I had like a massive shift in energy while I was away in, in, in Wales. It was like almost if, you know, this thirty year journey of me kind of not running away from, you know, the the, the accident that happened to me at fourteen, but I was like, Wow, you've had an amazing ride now and it was and it was like I just stopped and paused and if I think of it visually I I imagine the scene in 
in Forrest Gump where Tom Hanks is running yeah. and he's running and running and running and doesn't really know why he's running and uh, he's not really running away from anything yeah. he's just running and he's thinking and then one day he's in the middle of the desert and he just stops and he turns around and there's just all these people behind him yeah. and, uh, and I stopped I think in January this year and I turned back and just for the first time really kind of looked back with great pride in um, bloody hell Mark you've actually done alright and you've achieved quite a lot and yeah. I stopped but then I also saw the people behind me, you know, that I've gathered along the way and the incredible network I had. And I was like, okay, yeah, you've you've now got into that place in life where you're not going to do something purposeful because because you feel like you need to justify what's happened to you. I felt like I, over those 30 years, got everything that I needed back from life mm. to finally even up the score with what the universe had thrown wow. at me when I was 14. And honestly, I got a physical reaction. I've never had that in my life. Like my whole body was tingling. It was like, wow, okay, this is now a moment for you, for you to move on, yeah. whatever it's going to be. You know, I started coming up with ideas for festivals and nature for young people and the kind yeah, of empowerment yeah, yeah. and disrupting the rites of passage. A couple of those ideas that that we um, that we uh, touched on earlier. So I came back from from Brighton. Oh, sorry, yeah. from uh, Wales to Brighton. Um, feeling like a completely different person and I got back and I was manic for a week and I was whiteboarding all these ideas and it was just flooding out of me but I kind of got back and into that back into that just crazy business manic mm. and then it's hard though because we yeah. we 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 constant the, 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 again there's that narrative out there around to be successful to do what you're going to do that we've got to keep chasing we've got to keep chasing yeah. and and you're on that treadmill and i'm guilty of it myself so much and you go i'm gonna get there and you keep going you keep going you keep going because that's where if you're a bit if you're a bit busy you're doing all right you're yeah successful. but like you said to take that to take that step back look with inside yourself and actually what why am i doing what am i chasing yeah like, it's interesting to hear you talk about what looking at the the trauma from when you was 14 and over the last 30 years not necessarily but actually wanting something back from the universe this is taking something away and i'm going to try yeah. and find but actually getting to that point in your life where you go okay i'm at peace with that now yeah i've accepted it and now um yeah this is my next definitely venture. i think a lot of people and rightly or wrongly and this is not for me to judge uh are driven by something bad that's mm. that's happened in their lives and it motivates them to want to set up a charity to to help people yeah. go through what they've been through and i think that's fine and well but but i also think that it can become a bit too personal to you and you can't have that objectivity over yeah. what you're doing so i felt really empowered by the fact that i've gotten to a place in in my life where I'm not doing this because of what I went through. I'm mm. doing this because because I am who I am right now and I yeah. want to have a, a, a bigger impact. So that was super key to me. And for years, people were saying to me, like my mum and other people, God, you've got to write a book, you've got to do this yeah. and that, you've got to, you know, because, you know, I've helped a lot of people over the years, but yeah, on, sure. on, you know, unofficial kind of small ways and given a perspective on, on life and that's made me super proud. Um, but I wasn't ready, you know. I was still just out there living life and living life and living life. And I didn't want any of that to be a motivation to do these things. Yeah. And and I've always had a real interest in um, what's going on on the inside of people. Yeah. You know, I'm very, very lucky that 
my trauma for, for, for better or worse is on is on the outside yeah. and that's a super superpower of mine in terms of how we make connections with other people the hardest thing to do sometimes when you've you're feeling down about something hard or you need help is to take that first step and ask for help yeah. and then if you do that then you build that connection with someone you have that level of em- they have that level of empathy with them yeah. I don't I never have to have that conversation whenever I meet someone you know I've had to develop some skills to take control of the social situation to put people at ease and yeah. and I learned that very early on that I had to do that I need to take control of the situation put you at ease yeah. you know that's when my quick wit is like developed and come from make a joke and re- yeah. get people relaxed in my company so then they can see the real me and not just the the label that they think they see and the level of sympathy but the fact that they come to me already with that level of sympathy and empathy the hardest step's already done yeah. so I've never really been that interested in, in 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 really going back and helping people what I've been through I've been really always really interested in trying to help that person in the corner who's who to all intents and purposes and the labels that we put on society looks like that they're the perfect human being but just below the surface they're suffering and they don't know how to ask for help and everything should be should be going well with them and so a lot of that kind of thought process was going through through my mind earlier this year it's like right now i want to really help people on the inside and their inside out way of thinking and kind of shift the dynamics and the perspective that people have on life and look at themselves more objectively and realize that the answers are there within them and then create hopefully create tools so i really was starting to just move into that well-being space but i didn't know even at that point yeah what it was um uh, what a lovely space to be in that you you've you've got to that point in your life where you're at but actually going with the freedom to look at that next step with a completely open mind going mm. i'm not actually i know i know where I, I sort of think i want this to go yeah but i'm just going to roll with it and almost like let the universe do what it's going to do and just because you believe deep down like you said you you've analyzed or looked at yourself over the last 30 years since the trauma or, or your life as, as a whole and then you've got to a point in your life we go okay now i'm ready to yeah. share different experiences and and you've got all of these different experiences as well i guess that's the that's again the key that some people they go even at a young age you know oh, i'm going to do all this but haven't actually had those experiences to then be able to go and help people or support and do do more things i guess yeah yeah definitely it's not like i'm going to ignore all the the kind of the, the learnings and the lived experiences mm. and stuff, but it's I'm not motivated by those things to now yeah. want to do good to, to fill in some void. Yeah. I filled in that void. That void's gone. I feel Amazing. more centered than 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 I've you know than I've ever been. Amazing. And it's a great solid foundation to, to build from. Space to be, yeah, 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 but I still had you know no idea where I was going. I came back and I was manic and this and that and I got some brilliant advice from Steve, one of the experts here. So in, in Plus X is brilliant building. We get yeah. this wraparound support and these experts that come in and give you sessions and the leadership coach called Steve Charlton who's been brilliant for me for the last six months and I showed him my idea and I think he could sense I was just you know quite manic and he was like just let it simmer he's like just remember you've just gone away you by slowing things down by not chasing anything just by putting yourself out there to the world a bit more suddenly all these things are just coming towards you why are you now coming back and and it was like yeah Brighton doesn't equal busyness and it was almost like you know mother and all nature was was listening because then the next week i got contracted shingles and then the week after i got covid for the first time wow. which turned into long covid so all of a sudden i just didn't have the energy anyway yeah to so say it was, but it, for me it was like i mean i was like ah this is this is nature reminding me just yeah. to 
to slow down. So I would just, uh, so I just let these ideas that I was having, you know, around how young people simmer. I was having reading lots, journaling and having conversations and put no pressure on, on, on myself. Um, and you know, I just opened myself up to the universe and a couple of amazing people came into, into my life and we'll, we'll get to that in a minute, but I just want to cover off what you said before about the decision to shut down 23D with James. So during that period, he, he had a go at working on the, the business, um, rather than in the business and did that for a few months. And then we came to a very interesting uh, juncture with another great thing during the during 2020, a very lucky thing is we won a, a big contract with UK Power Networks, so a big utility company yeah, 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 on sure. a three-year deal. So we won yeah. a three-year tender, which we, which is brilliant. It wasn't really the, the direction that we were planning on going in, but you don't look a gift horse in the mouth in yeah, the middle absolutely. of the pandemic, you take, take on that. <laughs> and the work we've done for them had been so successful and off gem for the next regulatory periods were changing the need for stakeholder engagement and them to be much more um, open about the way that what the work that they were doing yeah. and what they're trying to do for the environment and all these different things. So all of a sudden their need for video content and documenting what they were doing was, was now a requisite for them to yeah, be able sure. to earn revenue. And we were only working for one department at that point. So they said, you know, even though you've got 15 months left of your contract, we're going to reissue the tender and it's going to be much bigger. So we were too small to be able to have won that. So then at that point, I'd already got to the point we were talking to people that I can't even be non-exec director. If I'm really going to give my all to whatever this new direction is, I need to step away and just draw a line underneath that chapter in my life. So I thought, okay, well, we can sell potentially my 50% into a bigger company. James and the whole creative team go in together in partnership. They go after this big contract. Great. But it wasn't really what what James wanted to do in terms of the type of work and effectively if he had we had won that contract he would have been a one a a one client kind of agency right we would have been the almost an external agency of UK Power Networks they were so big they would have dominated us that there wouldn't have been any space or creativity and all the stuff I'd been talking about at the beginning of the year putting out there on LinkedIn saying how it's really important that we have to invest in individuals and this year is not going to be about growth for 23D it's going to be about after a couple of tough years, really investing in the individuals within the company, what it means for them. Yeah. I'd taken the step back to going on exec director. So when James said, like, this is not what I want to do, I can't then turn around and say, like, no. Yeah, so yeah, we sure. would, So then we just looked at each other and we were like, yeah, well, you know what? I've had a good run. Five yeah. and a half years. Brilliant. I, I'm already off, like, got this new direction and we'll, we'll come to in a, in a second yeah. with my new thing. And James, with his young family, just had the opportunity to take on a couple of our smaller clients as a freelancer, just be a freelancer and be able to manage his day, just him, be a more present partner and dad. And you know, I can't turn around and just say, well, just because there's money on the table that it's like, no, it's just, I've got to, I've got to live and breathe while I'm preaching. Otherwise I just immediately in that moment, lose my authenticity. And it's amazing because there's, there's that, that period, I guess in, in your, in your head around that, like, it's a, such a tough thing I've had to I've closed the business and I've taken decisions to, to walk away and, it, and it's a tough thing to do but it, at the same time it's such a brave thing to be able to because we, we can get caught up in I know that it's not right I know I need to go in a different direction but y- y- you're constantly drawn in to, for whether it's responsibility to other people or whatever yeah. that is and you're constantly drawn in but it, it's such a brave thing to be able to take that step back and go you know what 
let's draw a line, let's call it a day, and you you go on to that next venture. And knowing, do, do do you look back? Or I just want to ask one thing: do do you look back at twenty three D as with an element of, as a failure, or how do you, how do you view it though? after closing it? Do you look back at it in as a failure? I mean, no, I don't really. I don't really. Because someone closing a business would be would that potentially. I I I look at my. I, I talk about me closing a salon as a failure, but I think mine was for di- certainly different reasons potentially f- 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 for you. But I think I'm just interested around that mindset around that 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 thought process. Do you look at that as that's just I've done what I could with that business? Because I, what what I was at peace with when I closed the salon was that I knew that I'd done the best I could at the time with everything I had, and I'd give it all all I could. And it was just the right time for me to close it, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't look at it as a failure. I believe yeah. it was just a stepping stone, and the the, uh, the lot of difficulties we had were things that happened outside That's of our control. Yeah, of uh, were mistakes made, obviously. But if you're not making mistakes, you're not trying hard enough. And um, yeah. I think it gives you an opportunity to learn. And twenty, I now look back at twenty three D just from my own like personal career development as the perfect stepping stone to to go on to do what I'm going to do next you know before that I had an unbelievable network but it was all within gambling and the gaming industry and I needed to learn more about the power of video with storytelling and how we communicate I needed to to start a business completely like unaware of what it took to run a business and learn the hard way what I liked and what I didn't like so that if I was then going to do something again, knowing what I was really good at and focusing on my strengths mm. and then really, really going for that, which is what I'm going to do this time. So I'm really grateful for all the tough times we had, the resilience that we had to build up. And it also meant that it drove me down here to Brighton. And I don't think I could be in a in the best, better city in the world in terms of trying to create a, a well-being organization, which is yeah. what I'm you know, going to do, well-being, non-profit because of the open-mindedness of people down here, the the, yeah. the the want and the need for to want a better way, you know, innovative and just just lovely people really are. Um, so I would have had none of that. I wouldn't have been able to make a mark in the local business scene to to grow my profile in, in a way that now I'm going to ask people to like follow me and and to join what I'm doing and to create a different way of thinking. And I couldn't have done any of that without 23D. And if a 23D had become a success rather than a failure then i wouldn't be feeling so incredible about what i'm going to you know try and do going forward so mate what a brilliant answer and thank you for sharing openly like that because it's a it's a brilliant way to to answer that question actually so thank, thank you, you for that it's, it's amazing and look and it leads us on to talk, talk to me thrive now yeah thrive now talk to me tell so, me about it so i'm kind of like you know lying in my bed like afternoons tired and we're like thinking of this you know this this idea that i had this you know festival in nature for young people get them away from yeah. the the urban and the digital environment get them to fall in love with the very thing that we're asking them to save you know while we've got to engage how do we build up their resilience and their positivity and kind of give them the tool set that they need to really become the generation that we need them to be yeah. you know in this seth godin interview that i mentioned earlier with marketing kind Come January, the one thing that stood out for me when I was walking around, you know, waterfall in Wales or whatever, is like it kept coming back to me that he was saying that him being a boomer himself, that the 
the 50-year domination of baby boomers is over and it's been fast-forwarded by the pandemic and the most important generation coming through since then are Gen Z and they're going to write the rules for the next half century of society but then I was looking at them thinking geez like look at the era that they've grown up in from you know the banking crisis into austerity into uh, the division and, and economic fallout of Brexit mm. to a global pandemic, <laughs> like all the time in like 24 hour news part of their life and social media. And yeah. then, you know, we just put this massive blanket over the top of the climate emergency. Yeah. And then, and then we're like, well, they're not as resilient as in my day and yeah. all this. And they've got a soft <laughs> underbelly. And I'm like, you wonder why? Like, yeah, come yeah, on, absolutely. us older generations. Like, we've helped create this society that's made them feel like that. Every yeah. action has a reaction. Yeah, yeah. Don't judge them. Let's empathize with them. Let's help them. Let's give them the tool sets that they need to become the generation that we need them to be coming through and to save this bloody planet that we're living on. So yeah, I was coming up with those around that, but I felt, I felt like, God, they're so really ideological. And God, this would take a lot, a lot of money. And I'm, I've never done this before. And it's like, I can... I could see it, but how am I going to make this happen? And I was like, I put the, you know, I put the cart before the horse a little bit, and it was like then the universe like bought a horse like towards me and attached it to the, to the cart. So the very last thing that 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 uh, twenty three did did pro bono for marketing kinds was them the very last uh, coffee with a cause event. It was their first ever hybrid one. It's yeah. the first time that marketing kind members because it was all set up mostly during the pandemic yeah. had come together. We met in London and there'd been a, a chat that I'd seen on a previous exchange and he'd interviewed someone, this guy called Arunje, and I was like, something when he was on the screen interviewing, he wasn't even like the, the, the star of the, yeah. the the feature of this interview, but he was there asking questions and I just like, something like just a- attracted me to him. I was like, I like the way this guy talks. I like the, the way this guy thinks. Yeah. So I, I looked him up online and realized he was in the, like the FinTech inclusion space and, uh, he used to work in banking, originally from India, Trinidad and Tobago, yeah. ended up in London, turned his back on banking and was trying to um, figure out new ways of like financial systems um, yeah. for the poorest billion people in the world. And see, then he mentored a lot of people and it's like something about this guy is like, I need to, need to chat to him. So I booked a talking with him that you could do on his website. But then COVID fatigue hit in that day and I had to cancel it. And then he was there three days later at this this hybrid event yeah, because yeah. he was also a marketing kind member, and I and I and I saw him, and I said, "I'm oh, really sorry, I was supposed to speak to you on Tuesday, COVID, blah blah blah." And he goes, "Oh no, worry. What did you want to talk to me about?" He's like, oh, "Like, well, who are you and what do you do?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, "Oh well, running this company, 23D, my team are in there producing it, but I've taken a step back, blah 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 blah." And he goes, "Oh, you know, hit me with your kind of elevator elevator pitch." So I told him about these ideas that you know I had, and he was like, "Wow," he goes. I love those ideas and um, there was a couple of things that I dropped in that people had told me that week yeah. and I don't know why that I put them in the elevator pitch it was about franchising it and buying land you know for the, and he was like that and that no don't like them yeah. he goes that's too much about money and capitalism and this feels like something different and I go oh no 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 yeah no you know Arunjay I, like, I, th- I think big and but then you know I like to scale things back a bit yeah. he goes no 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 he goes those things I don't like he goes in terms of thinking big he goes, my friend, you're not dreaming big enough. And he goes, I can help you dream bigger. And I'm like, all right, who the hell is this guy? I've done, I've done some research on him, but uh, yeah. I didn't expect that reaction. He goes, make sure you book a chat, chat back in with me. You know, I need to talk and tell you about some some stuff I'm doing as well. I'm like, okay. And then we'd be going to the hybrid event, and halfway through, he's like, 
sorry, I've got to leave for a meeting. And he leaves. And I'm like, cliffhanger. You know, the next day I'm going on a little 10-day R&R trip around the UK just to try and get some energy yeah. back and just, you know, because I've been feeling so fatigued. So it's like two weeks before I spoke to him again and I jumped on a call and after two minutes, he was like, Mark, I have to stop this conversation and put a caveat in like right now. And I'm like, oh God, now what? And uh, and then and he picked up on the two things, the franchise and the land. And he was like, I didn't like those things. And he's like, well, tell me, what is this about for you? What are your motivations for this? And I was, you know, is this about money for you? And I was like, no, this is yeah. about sense of purpose, a richness on the inside, you know, this. And he goes, great, I thought so. Let's crack on and talk. So he then started talking to me and made me realize that he was leaving a lot of his um, uh, fin inclusion like endeavors, and he'd, he'd done three different startups and exited them. One of them ended up selling to Twitter. Uh, one of his um, projects he was working on, he got funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Oh, wow. So he's kind of real heavyweight in, in yeah, that yeah. space. And he was also working for the UN uh, and a UN advisory board. So wow. it's day job. But he goes, uh, so we talked about my ideas and loved them, but I was like, oh, they're a bit ideological and this and that. And he goes, okay, well, I'm going to tell you about some stuff that I'm up to now. He'd been working with this purposeful leadership coach called Nicole Dubois for the previous um, 18 months. And, um, he, you know, he came from a, a wealthy background in India and felt like, you know, he yeah. was very much won the lottery postcode and a lot of what he was trying to do in the in the world was to, to fill that void in. Yeah. And but it was very much an outside in way of thinking, thinking out there, how can that solve here? Yeah. She what she does is and um, she helps with people is to is to help them shift that focus and an inside out way of thinking. Yeah. A thinking of abundance, a, a mindset of abundance rather than a mindset scarcity, you know kind of detaching from the matrix in this 3D world that we live in and realize that all these external things just don't mean anything if you get the kind of the, the center the right and you get yourself from a, a real kind of stable position yeah. then you can kind of you know take on the world and wh whatever it throws at you yeah. and I think he kind of sensed in me and then that through my kind of like lived experience and stuff like that I'd gotten to myself to that place and that same energy yeah. come January I didn't know what to do with it and so he finished working with Nicole for I think the previous November and then they had a catch up call in November and at that point I think Nicole's teachings had had such an impact on Arunje he's like why is this like not more widespread it's like, and, then, and he goes you know I think one day we're gonna we're gonna do something together on this like Nicole and then she's like well why not today and they like kind of looked at each other and they were like okay well let's start thinking about this should we throw some ideas around so they start throwing some ideas around and yeah. the idea of thrive now came about and then Amazing. a month later I, I come into their lives and you know Arunjay said that you know that day that he went up to London he's like he never goes into London anymore because somehow he just woke up and was like super excited to go into London like yeah. it was just meant to be and then it me anyway so we jumped on that call had a chat he told me about all these ideas and he goes look Mark you know you can you can keep all autonomy over your ideas. I love them. I'll help you as much as I can. But we can maybe look to bring your ideas a bit closer to some of the ideas that we've got. And I'm like, okay. Uh, he goes up, first steps, I'd love you to meet Nicole. Yeah. How about next Monday, you know, us three jump on a, another call and, and chat about it. I was like, cool, like absolutely. Yeah. And he goes, if you don't mind, in the meantime, I'm going to share some documents with you this week. He goes, you, um, I'm writing a book about this journey that I've been on. Yeah. I uh, got the chapter summary. I'd love to share them with you. We've got brand guidelines, mock-up of our first homepage, script for video, 
can you just comment as much as you want on them and then we'll discuss them next Monday and we'll just, you know, see yeah. where the conversation goes. Yeah, yeah. Some, you know, lying in my bed that week, you know, just spent hours on it and I'm just like, wow, I kind of like completely get this. The, you know, the chapters on Mary's incredible. I was like, I feel so aligned, like morally with this guy and what yeah. our intentions are. Uh, so I just spent hours commenting away and then I get an email on the Friday from Nicole and she's like, I know I'm meeting you on Monday, but she goes, I couldn't wait until the weekend. I've just been reading the comments and all the documents and, you know, they just melt my heart melt and I can't wow. wait to meet you on Monday. I was like, <laughs> for someone who's feeling fatigued, that's exactly the shot <laughs> I needed. I was just floating through the weekend. Wow, amazing. Fast forward to Monday, we jump on a call and they start telling me, yeah, we start sharing our stories and this and that and the idea that they've got and, you know, the coach is a, you know, Nicole is a coach and she's got this philosophy, this kind of inside out way of thinking and, and she wants to now, you know, she's getting to the, you know, she's in her late 50s. She wants to get to the point where now she wants to to spread her word a bit more. Yeah. And Arunjay, this is kind of maybe the, the thing that he was looking for to really feed into how can we have, you know, the, a positive impact on, you know, the business world and, and well-being within, within people and really help corporations and reimagine what well-being means. But from this real centered point of an inside out way of thinking, this real stability and I'm like, no one's really doing this, so we need to, to do this together. And so we've got someone who's got like incredible, and Arunjay is also like a futurist as well, right? So yeah. he like really he's reimagining ways that capitalism can be tweaked, how we can include as many people in society as we can, how can how can this work within business, uh, different different business models, mm. and then we've got Nicole who has all this knowledge you know built up over 20 30 years and yeah. it's sat on the shelf and it just needs to be repackaged and reworked in the right way for for modern day businesses and then i come along with these ideas to really want to help sort of younger people and stuff like that but it kind of goes back to where i was with 23d and wanted to go in and help businesses become game changers stuff yeah. like that. we've got to help the people within the businesses before that i can't rock up and expect yeah, yeah, these yeah. people to do that so i was like okay so what we could do is have an impact and create create this new way of doing business by you know helping companies like humanize themselves by really investing in the individuals within their company and this goes up just beyond this inside out way of thinking everything with like edi and mental health and physical health and all these different yeah. almost like modules but if at the heart of it is that it comes from this inside out way of thinking then this could be really really impactful and what we could do is try and change the face of business and create somewhere where then we can then go back and help younger people and they can support what we're doing and we connect these two halves but but also yeah what a lot of what we're trying to do as well is it's not just about the companies that need to step up and help the individuals it's also about working with individuals to realize that they need to to, to step up and it their own well-being starts with them yeah. and then i kind of like then i can kind of bring my own story into knowing that and uh, you know the answers are found on the inside and yes i was able to 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 come out of these like traumatic experiences and collectively we're going through so much trauma so collectively we can come out of this together yeah. but it starts with you but then if you then collaborate with an amazing workspace that's given you the tools and the opportunity all of a sudden you're taking responsibility of your own well-being but you've got you've got a, a workplace that finally is not doing any greenwashing or well-being washing we're going to give them the, the right tool sets take it away from hr you know, corporate well-being, yeah. and I don't want to say programs, like services, because programs means that the start and an end. Yeah, yeah, so that's the one thing that we want to, you know, really think outside of the box. This yeah. is like, should be an ongoing support service for individuals in the company. Hopefully this will help with, you know, the great resignations and quiet quitting and people reaching burnout and all these things. But 
individuals, you got to step up and really take control of your own right. But we'll smooth the pathways for you, give you the support you need, give you the tool sets that you need. And, you know, I find it quite sad but inevitable that young people have to put an awful lot of labels on themselves these days yeah, to, yeah. to one because they're, they're struggling to find their place in societies so it's completely understandable so mm. they're putting on a label to find their tribe to to give themselves a sense of identity but we've got to be careful that individuals don't weaponize those those labels to stop themselves doing you know the work that they need to do you know we want to help companies realize that we want to create high performance individuals not high performance employees so yeah. individuals if you look at it holistically can make them happy in all areas of their life and then they're naturally going to be high performing um, um, you know employees but we also have to empathise with you know the people at the top of organisations they're a bit lost they're a bit like oh, we feel need like what we're support. doing right need we need that. that support but we're getting people in and we're doing these courses we, we, they can get access to the Calm app whatever it may be what else more can we do so there's the, there's a gap building and we want to try and fill in that gap and try and bring people together and it's all about collaboration inside out way of thinking detaching from you know the matrix this 3d world and having that sense of objectivity over your own life and building that community of well-being and then hopefully then that will have the, the kind of ripple effect that we want in society that will eventually help the planet thrive mate well thank you so much well i'll tell you what uh, in honesty listen I, I, like i said i've been following you on uh, we've known each other for a while i've followed you on on social and i've obviously seen a little bit about what thrive it now is about and and moving forward and I think it's something that's really needed and and by the sounds of it you're certainly in that, that place to get to that place in yourself mm. inside and so obviously surrounded yourself with people on the same path that is something that's needed within within society if I'm being honest and I yeah. think um, I certainly mate I'll, I'll, I'll wish you every success with it and I'm sure this is going to be be incredible so thank you it's 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 been such an amazing I knew it would be that's why I was so excited to obviously get you on I knew it would be an amazing conversation and thank you so much for just obviously being so open and honest as well and sharing obviously from you know from your trauma right through to where you are now and 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 everything sort of in between as well and so many life lessons I guess not just business lessons but life lessons that so many people will be able to take away from it certainly on our will so mate I'm really grateful for, for, for you coming on and sharing um, look, I'm really just really grateful that you gave me such a safe space to be able to talk you know I've kind of got to that point in my life where I'm ready to to open up and share it all in a holistic way of kind of thinking yeah. so to, to have like such a safe space and someone brilliant to open up to is like Thank you Mate, for playing yeah. your, playing a part in that. Oh, you're, you're a star. So for, look, we're going to finish as always. We're going to finish with yeah. our quick fire questions. I've got a couple for you here. So, one piece of advice would you give to your 18 year old self? Oh, see, now I'm going to be controversial, and like I wouldn't, I wouldn't give any advice. I think you know, at that age and all through life, you're you're supposed to not know. You're supposed to make mistakes, and you're supposed to the the unknown. You need to to embrace the unknown and what's going to happen, and back yourself. So I wouldn't really give any advice to, to myself. I'd be like, just keep going, kid. You're going to be fine kind of thing. Is like, Love it. no advice. Love it. Love it. Um, who has been your biggest inspiration throughout your journey and why? Uh, I think it's probably got to be my mum, you know. So I think boys have a special relationship with their mum. But, yeah. you know, having having someone who is just, you know, I know you like obviously oh god your mum's obviously yeah. going like, to give up everything to look after you but then how she then supported me and empowered me and realised that yeah. at a young age and then 
how she's i'm really proud of the way that she's kind of you know developed as, as a human being as well and yeah. also kind of managed to learn through this experience and shake off some of the shackles of you know yeah. a different kind of upbringing and she's very much like now in our family the you know the kindest most empathic woman that you could ever imagine and it's just not me and my siblings but my first cousins and stuff as someone that we look up yeah. to as that the kind person of her generation uh and she's incredibly strong and resilient as well um Amazing. so yeah it would be my mum. love that love that final one could, could you recommend a business book or podcast for our listeners that um has had an impact on you and your career yeah i would say um book is just yeah book i read there was the i was reading this year in in january is um four thousand weeks by oliver berkman um so it's really about our relationship with time and how we can use it and it might sound a bit like morbid that oh my gosh like on average you've only got four thousand weeks on this journey but it just makes you reevaluate the um time and if i had to pull out something from that book that, that sticks with me is that um he had the thing that he wants to get rid of um the fear of missing out fomo and yeah. replace it with the joy of missing out jomo yeah. so it's all these external things that are going on in the world that your friends might be doing that you might be seeing on social media blah 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 you know you create that fear of missing out and you're thinking if you're in that constant state of mind then you're not living in the now and in your in in your own life you know like right now the most important person in the world to me is you because there's no one else who's in my world at this moment right so if all these other things that you we can see around the world and you can ignore them it means you have time to focus on yourself and the here and now and make the most of this moment and that's really what living is so rather than fear and everything it's just having that joy so now it's like i love it when i'm missing and i'd like had so much fomo when i was younger i, was yeah. like, I wanted to be in everything and i wanted the biggest slice of the cake i wanted to be at every activity be on every school trip do this do that I'm so jealous of everyone and now i'm just like ah oh, like i have nothing to do it's brilliant because then i can just like focus on me and what i'm doing and yeah so wow. yeah, i think a lot of lessons from that book wow amazing well um be present i guess that's the key yeah. thing it's something i'm i'm conscious of a lot actually and it's something i, I actually I, I heard you talk about that and one of you done a, one of your videos when you was walking in um, yeah dan's about that and I, I heard that about jomo um and that's really fascinating because it is certainly from my point of view i think something i'm trying to look at myself and and talk about is always trying to be present especially with a young family and trying, whatever i'm doing at that time just making sure i'm 100 percent at that moment yeah being present and there's something and, and don't don't future plan you know yeah. well-being and future plan good times and future plan this because yeah. life gets in the way and you just keep pushing it further and further away and you, you never get there you've got to realize that it's also so important to just live in the moment and why can't your life be in balance now that you're putting your well-being and your positivity and everything just into this moment? Mate, what a great way to finish. Thank you very much. And that, as they say, is a wrap. 